Today at Kalos Church, we're discussing echo chambers, echo chambers, cancel culture, cancel culture, and Jesus, and Jesus. Welcome to Kalos Church. My name is Pradeep Jiva. And I'm Amrita Jiva. And Kalos means beautiful in Greek. You know, we know that people have seen or heard ugly things when it comes to the church, but we truly believe that when you look at the words and the ways of Jesus, it's actually quite beautiful. And so that's why we wanted to create a safe environment where we can all ask the question, what is so beautiful about Jesus? And so thank you for coming here today. And if you want to get content like this every week, please subscribe to our YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram. Yes, and before we hear a great message today from Pastor Pradeepin, I want to make sure that we stay connected. And so I want to share some good news mm -hmm. and also a prayer request for us to pray over. We actually have this private Facebook group at Kalos Church where we all just talk throughout the week. It's really wonderful. A lot yeah. of people participate. We share memes. We share jokes. Mm -hmm. We share prayer requests. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really, really uh, uh, incredible space to stay connected yeah. with one another. And I want to share a couple pieces of really good news that happened uh, just this last couple weeks. The first one is we have a friend named Michelle who is actually a part of a small group called Figuring Out Your Ministry Calling. Mm -hmm. We have a small group every single day of the week at Kalos Church wow. and she's been attending this one and as she posted online this week she said, I feel like I have figured out my ministry calling. Amazing! Mission, mission accomplished. So awesome. She's been in that <laughs> journey for a while, and we just believe that God is doing some incredible things in her life. Another piece of good news that you may be able to relate with as well is that our friend Chanel uh, found out, she was driving her car, she found out that her brake pads gave out and she needed to replace them. Mm -hmm. And she thought they were it was going to be like a $1,000 replacement um, to fix this. And sure enough, it only cost $24. Dollars. Amen. Amen. That's the kind of breaks we all need right now. Mm -hmm. Amen. A break on breaks. Yeah, break on breaks. Amen. Well, that is some good news. If you want to jump into our private Facebook group, which I highly encourage you yes. to be a part of our community, all you have to do is join us right after service for our crash course. Once you um, spend some time with us in our crash course, we would love to put you into our community yes. on Facebook. Well, I also want to share a prayer request as well today so that we can really come together in prayer. Um, and I love this prayer request. It was actually shared by a person at our church who is in the profession of therapy and counseling and really getting into the thick of things with people who are going mm. through some dark days mm -hmm. through this COVID season, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And we have in our past at Kalos Church, really prayed about that, really talked yeah. about that. What I love about this prayer request that I am inviting you to pray with me about is that those people, those professionals, those counselors, therapists, pastors, those people that are diving deeply into this weekday and week, every single week, actually all day, just really are needing prayer yeah. so that yeah. God would guide them in these conversations. And so let's go ahead and let's lift these people up. Yeah. Father, I just thank you so much for um, all of the health professionals, God, those that are mm -hmm. in um, the space of being therapists and counseling, pastoring, leading. Father, I, I pray that you would just give such wisdom. Yes. I pray that by your spirit, you would speak through them life and peace and joy. Father, that as they really extend such empathy and compassion for people that are going through dark days, 
Lord, that um, there would just be an ability, God, to really help these people yes, in Lord. the most wonderful way. God, we just thank you. Ask that you would continue to be with them in every counseling session, in every conversation, Lord. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are about to hear a great message from Pastor Pradeepan. Hey, go ahead, give him a digital high five. Tell him how excited you are to hear a great word. Come on, I'm so excited to be here and speak the word. This message is something I've been chewing on for a long time, especially right now. We're dealing with a lot of division, a lot of tension as people are arguing about coronavirus, racial tensions. There's a lot going on. And I've noticed that with online culture, we're all online right now, yeah. pretty much. Uh, this meme kind of identifies how people feel about each other. Everyone I disagree with is a murderer. As we argue, as we get into discussions, it feels like if you don't agree with me exactly, yeah. you are just a murderer. I'm coming against you. And in this time of division, I believe we have an opportunity as the church to show the world what true unity looks like. That as we love one another, as Christ loves us, we can demonstrate that even though there's a lot going on, we can unify around the name of Christ. And that as Christians, we're not going to be known by what we hate or what we come against. We're going to be known what we're for. And that is lifting Amen. up the name of Jesus. Amen. And I want to show you a scripture where Jesus gets into tension. He gets into a situation where he's talking with people. Culture says you should not associate with that kind of person. Mm. And I think we can learn a lot from this passage in John chapter four. Let's read. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I love that Jesus associates with someone that he's not supposed to associate with. I love that he's able to talk with this woman alone at the well at noon, and he just dives into this situation. Have you ever associated with someone culture told you not to associate mm. with? Have you ever interacted with someone where you're wondering, I'm not sure how this is going to affect my reputation? Mm. I remember when we first moved to Bellevue and we were starting Kalos Church, we just found out we could launch in the parlor comedy club, no joke, and a man approached us and said, hey, I want to help you start this church. You know, I'm kind of new to faith. I'm still figuring out things about Jesus, but uh, I'm just blown away that you two are brown people and you're pastors. That's just not what I imagined pastors to look like. And so I, I want to be part of this. And he mentioned, I'm going to be doing some stand-up comedy at an open mic night at the Parlor Comedy Club. And I said, actually, that's where we're starting the church. Hey, I want to join you. I want to learn the area that I might be speaking on soon. You might be speaking on. Maybe we can interact with some people who are looking for a community where they can see the beauty of Jesus. So let's go. We show up there. He has never done an open mic before. He gets up on stage and he's really having a tough time. And so he just starts brutally and maliciously making fun of people in the crowd. And it's not funny. So it just feels mean spirited. It's very uncomfortable. It's very tense. People do not like this guy at all. And he starts picking on someone in the audience and makes fun of the way he talks and the way he looks. Little did he know that this guy was a regular there. Everybody loved him and recently got in a car accident, was one of the regular stand-up comics, but could not perform anymore because he had permanent brain damage. 
from the accident. And so the more he makes fun of this guy, the more tense the audience gets and they kind of hate him and they start yelling back at him. And it's not funny at all. In the height of this tension, he looks at me, points at me and he says, hey, you see that brown man sitting over there? I'm like, oh, don't talk about me. I don't, don't tell people we know each other. You see that brown man sitting over there? You probably think he's a Muslim. Well, guess what? He's not. He's my pastor now. Oh. I'm like, I don't want to be associated with this guy. Like, I'm trying to reach people with the gospel, trying to start a church. We don't know anybody in Bellevue, but please don't associate me with this guy. <laughs> this is our first impression at the parlor and I'm just dying. And that's a moment where I had to say, oh, I don't want to be associated with you, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm your pastor. Now. <laughs> it, it was just brutal. Have you ever had a moment like that where you did not want to associate with someone? You know, we used to have to make conscious choices to avoid people. I don't want to talk with this person. I'm not going to sit at this table at lunch. But right now we live in a technological age that's trying to keep us sorted in different categories. Just like in the culture of Jesus, where you're not supposed to talk to Samaritans. I believe technology is trying to keep us from talking with people who have different backgrounds, different beliefs, or different ideas than us, especially when you consider something that technology calls the algorithm. Algorithms basically is a set of instructions designed to perform a specific task. And on social media, algorithms are working very hard. Have you ever noticed that when you like an ad for a t-shirt, suddenly all you see are ads for t-shirts all over the place because you clicked on it one time or maybe you had a conversation with someone while Alexa was listening and suddenly you have advertisements really concerning that conversation you had. That's the algorithm trying to keep you online on social media as long as possible. That's its whole entire job in the automated process. And so when you like something, you share something, post something, the algorithm wants you to stay online. So it's going to start showing you more of what you already like, more of what you already believe. And it's going to feed you that so that you stay online. Ever watch one Facebook video and it shows you another one. And then you get caught in that trap of watching Facebook video after Facebook video after Facebook video. That is the algorithm. You know, there used to be a day and age when it came to entertainment and content that you just kind of turned on the TV and whatever was on TV at the time is what you watch. Well, now we can go into Netflix and there's a predetermined list of things you might like. And let's be honest, we're not usually getting a lot of new shows and movies. We end up just watching The Office over and over and over again. Instead of being exposed to new ideas, things we might not like, we're going to play it safe. The algorithm is going to keep us online. And when this happens, there's a danger of creating something called the echo chamber. Mm. Echo chamber. Yes. Echo and, chamber. and so an echo chamber is when you basically hear what you want to hear, you get content that confirms what you already believe. And you only interact with people who think, believe, and act like you. An echo chamber is a social structure from which other relevant voices have been actively discredited or ignored. Mm. An echo chamber on Facebook would look like this. I think this political party sucks. And then everybody comments back, yeah, I agree with you. And people who don't agree with you, they're probably going to be a little afraid to get into that. And so you start to believe, ah, wow, everybody believes like I do. You're caught in the echo chamber. And this is dangerous because it feeds a confirmation bias. 
it creates a situation where we villainize people who disagree with us and we become an angry mob and we think everybody believes like me. Anybody that doesn't is an idiot or evil or immoral and it destroys a diverse community. Something that Amen. is very powerful at Kalos Church. I mm -hmm. love that we have different beliefs, different views, different backgrounds that form the family of God together. Yeah. An echo chamber destroys a diverse community. If I want to say it a little bit more frankly and a little bit uh, more shocking, I believe that algorithms are modern day segregation. I don't think it replaces the historical segregation we've experienced as a nation, but we can't deny that when algorithms keep us talking with a certain type of people from a certain type of background and avoiding people who might give us a different point of view, we're falling into a modern day segregation. And I think that's really dangerous and it puts us in cults of a sort where we can only talk to certain people. A cult isolates its members by actively alienating them from any outside sources. Those outside are actively labeled as malignant and untrustworthy. A cult member's trust is narrowed, aimed with laser-like focus on certain insider voices. This is dangerous. And so what does Jesus do when he's faced with a situation where a woman says, you're not supposed to associate with me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. I want to share three things Jesus does when he is put in a potential echo chamber situation. Mm. The first thing Jesus does is this. Jesus talked to people he wasn't supposed to. Mm. Verse 9, again, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Culture said, don't talk to Samaritans. Culture said, don't talk to women at well. Jesus said, I must go to Samaria. He says that in verse four, I have to go to Samaria. In some translations, it says it's necessary that I go through Samaria. And this is what Jesus does time and time again in the scripture. He engages with people who believe different things. He engages with people who are different than him. And I love that. And Jesus still interacted with people even when they didn't like him. I actually created a meme. This is <laughs> new territory for Kalos Church. Let me show you this meme. This is Jesus saying, puns are awesome. But the crowd is saying, shut up. Most people rejected his message. They hated Jesus because he told them the truth. Amen. 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 <laughs> and he didn't say Samaritans, I'm not going to talk to you because I'm different or I'm not supposed to. And he didn't say Facebook, I'm going to avoid you because your culture is too toxic. No, he engaged dissenting voices. He engaged different people and he entered into the situation. Yeah. I must go to Samaria. And uh, I love this quote with so many choices at our fingertips. We never have to engage things that we do not like or agree with. If that sounds innocent, let me remind you that Jesus spent most of his time around people who believed things he didn't agree with, who taught things he did not support, and who lived in ways at odds with what he taught. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the tax collectors, prostitutes, Gentiles, and all sorts of people who were different from him. This is our Jesus yeah. who associates with the outcasts, the different, the people who have been left behind by society, the people where he would have a bad reputation just by associating with these people. And he still did it anyways. Mm. I love that Jesus was described as a friend of sinners. Amen. That is our God. And my question for you today, one of the questions is, would you associate with the people Jesus associated with? 
If someone tagged you in a Facebook picture with a, like a politician from a different party, would you untag yourself because you don't want to be associated with them? Well, Jesus didn't untag himself. In fact, he went out of his way to interact with people that would be controversial. Do you disassociate with people or are you like Jesus? Would you allow yourself to talk with someone from a different background and ethnicity, something that a hot topic issue and you completely disagree with? Would you go out of your way to learn from that person? Mm. I mean, I, I think the same applies for us. We are Christians. We're followers of Jesus. And I totally believe that we need to curate our life around the mission of making known the beauty of Jesus. And uh, I, I want to share a quick story. I remember when I was a, a youth pastor is in the early days of just getting into ministry. And I was, I was working at this church and uh, a couple that was highly involved serving at a very high level. They uh, had some disagreements with the church staff and the culture, and they decided that they were going to leave the church. And now people in the church, this isn't Kayla's church, but people in the church began to vilify this family, start to speak evil against them and, and literally said, all right, we're not going to talk to those people anymore. They left our church. We're cutting them off. We're not having anything to do with them. And I, I just remember only hearing one side of the story. And before I was going to cut someone off and believe all the bad things I heard about them, I just felt a burden in my heart. Like, I'm going to go out of my way to talk with people that everyone's saying, hey, we recommend you don't talk to them, mm. even at the expense of my own reputation. And I, I remember we got dinner with them and their kids and they, they said, we can't believe you're at our house right now. Yeah. We can't believe you're associating with us. And we shared stories and we cried together yeah. and we prayed together and we were just human together. Mm. And I, I just feel like society tries to keep us in these separate circles, tries to keep us away from the tension. But we serve a God who always enters yeah. into the Amen. tension. Amen. And I think some of us, we need to learn to get different perspectives in our life. Do you have a homogenous culture around you? Or do you have different ethnicities, different cultures, different socioeconomic statuses represented in your circle of friends? If not, I think I would challenge you to rethink that and curate your life around the lifestyle and the ways and the words of Jesus. Proverbs 18.7 says this, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. And sometimes we're in these limited worldviews and we think we're right because we're in an echo chamber. But what does Jesus do? He shatters the echo chamber with love and understanding and by going into another person's world. Yeah. If you want to rhyme and you want to unlearn something, we've been taught this thing, stranger danger, stay away from strangers. Well, that's not what Jesus did because he knew this warning. Here is your rhyme. Are you ready? ready. Are you ready? Stranger danger creates echo chambers. <sighs> That's a triple rhyme. One, two, three. Stranger danger creates echo chambers. You had a double rhyme last week. I had to step up my game. Yeah, you did. And so we want we don't want to create echo chambers. We want to be like Jesus. Amen. 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 The second thing I see in this passage is Jesus encouraged a teachable spirit. Jesus answered her in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus says, hey, 
Don't stop this conversation because I'm different than you. Mm. Don't stop this conversation because I come from a different culture, because I'm a Jew. He says, if you knew what I had to offer, you wouldn't step away. You would lean in. Mm. You would ask me for a drink. And I, I think there are a lot of relationships. There are a lot of opportunities for us to lean in and learn. I mean, to this day, I have not met someone in my entire life that I can't learn something from. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't want to create echo chambers. And one of the things I see that creates echo chambers is another part of our culture called cancel culture. If you haven't heard what cancel culture is, it's basically when someone says something you don't like or someone makes a mistake or someone does something wrong, instead of taking the time to interact with them, get in the trenches with all that they're doing wrong and lifting them up, elevating thinking, we just say, I'm done with you. You're a lost cause. You're canceled. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what the kids are saying these days. That's what they're saying. Like you make a bad pun at a church one day and then the kids are like, uh, Pastor Pradeep or whatever, you're, you're canceled. You're just canceled and you're done. And it, it's, it kind of brings in this mindset that, hey, I'm done with you. You're a lost cause. So I'm stepping up, mm. which is totally the opposite of what Jesus does. You see this on social media a lot on Facebook. Hey, if you don't agree with this post, just block me. Or, hey, I'm going through all my friends who believe this and I'm deleting you. I'm unfollowing you. You are canceled. And that creates an echo chamber. And I love that Jesus says, I know we're different, but we can still interact. Yeah. And I don't even like what you're saying, but we can still interact and maybe we can help. Maybe I can help you through relationship. And this, this is just a picture of the gospel. Time and time again, we see in the scriptures, this phrase, and I believe that this is true of Kalos Church and something I'm so proud of. And it's this phrase, you don't have to fit in to belong. You don't have to fit in to belong. Unity doesn't require uniformity. You don't have to be a carbon copy of the perfect Christian Amen. or the per perfect personality to be part of a church or part of the kingdom of God. You don't have to fit in. You don't have to deny who you are. You don't have to change your personality. You don't have to deny the uniqueness that God has given you to belong to the kingdom of God, the family of Christ. And that is the gospel. But this is what cancel culture does. It says, if you don't perform right, if you don't behave right, if you don't say the right words for the entirety of your life, if you made a mistake 10 years ago, I am done with you. I cancel you. And we wonder why people are so lonely in our culture. We've never been more divided online than ever before. And it feels like the divide in our nation is growing because we don't give people the opportunity to get better, to, mm. to get smarter, mm. to be teachable, to learn. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm done with you. He, he says, hey, if you knew what I had to offer you, you'd be asked. He's helping this woman get better. Yeah, He's getting into the issues with her, lifting her up. He doesn't say, I'm canceling you. He says, hey, I want to give you living water. Yeah. That is wow. our Jesus. And I, I just believe that as a church and a culture, we need to normalize disagreement without villainizing and vilifying people. Anytime we dehumanize people, we're not acting like Jesus. Amen. You're an idiot. You're a moron. You are. Oh, you just you just believing that because you're being swayed by Satan. And these are not helpful to the conversation. Mm. We as followers of Jesus do not dehumanize people. Amen. You don't have to fit into belong. We don't require uniformity at Kalos Church to have unity. We walk towards Jesus together from different backgrounds, cultures and perspectives. Amen. And that is powerful. 
A quote from a pastor in Colorado Springs, a friend of mine named Jay Duncan, he says this on Facebook. I love this. You don't have to agree with someone to listen to them, hear them, learn from them, receive from them, be challenged by them, weep with them, care for them, love them, pray for them. I love that. Amen. And as Christians, like what we say oftentimes is not as important as how we say it. Yeah. Are we a clanging symbol or are we showing the love of Jesus? Yeah. That's an important question for us to ask. You know, my my sister, her name is Pradeepa Jivmanoharan. I am Pradeepa Jivmanoharan. Uh, she is a lot like me. Like, for example, we both have rhythm. Except for the way we manifest our our sameness is very unique. So we both have rhythm, but I, I like to play music, whereas she likes to dance. I am not a good dancer, but I still have rhythm. This is my dance move. <laughs> yeah, that is your dance move. <laughs> That's my dance move. But here, here's the deal. She has always labeled me as the minister, and she's called herself the sinister, which is Crazy because we we have like completely different worldviews on a lot of issues. But over the decades of our relationship, we've always been able to talk and learn from each other. Yeah. We can disagree. We can fight. We can argue. But even in the midst of that tension, our status as family was never at stake. Yeah. We were never like, oh, because you have this different worldview, you're canceled. No, we're family. And we're always going to lean towards the relationship. We're always going to love one another, even though we have different perspectives. And guess what? We are the family of Christ Church. And every family has some crazy uncles. Every family has disagreements and different worldviews. But we don't walk out on one another just because we don't have perfect carbon copy uniformity no we fight for the family we fight yes. for the unity yeah. even when we disagree we do not cancel each other amen amen and so i love that the church is a place of acceptance mm-hmm. i love that it's a place of belonging mm-hmm. for all sorts of different people and I, I know the reality in a lot of churches even as a pastor people love that we create acceptance in a place where you can belong but i know as a pastor if i say one wrong word or something that people don't believe in, if I make one wrong decision, I know that there's just a certain amount of people who say, hey, I love that we're a family, but because you made one mistake, I'm walking out on you. To me, that's cancel culture. That's dangerous. That's not Jesus. That doesn't protect family. And that just creates an echo chamber where people are lone rangers and not fighting for the unity of faith. And so we need to fight for what Jesus fights for. Amen. Amen. And so we will love one another like Christ loves us us. There is always more to learn. There's always a different perspective to glean from. Let's continue in the story in verse 39. And I want you to notice what happens. The scripture says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me everything I ever did. And because of how Jesus navigated these tensions of cultural differences, guess what? He won a heart. He won a soul, a woman who was just struggling. She found that living water in Jesus. And Mm -hmm. she said she believed in him and that whole town believed in him. And it's just a powerful, beautiful story. Point number three, Jesus didn't come to win arguments. He came to win 
hearts. And that's what we see in the scripture. When I'm in a Facebook argument, when I'm in an argument in person, when I feel tension and anger rise up in me, I need to remember this. I am called to represent the love of Jesus Christ. And what we see in the entirety of the gospel messages, Jesus did not come to take sides. He came to take over. Mm. We are called to advance the kingdom of God. We are called to bring heaven to earth and demonstrate the love of Jesus that people would know that we are disciples because we love one another as Christ has loved us. That is the gospel. And I just think a danger especially for us as Christians, is that we shout a lot of hateful things, but we don't have the best brand of being known for what we love. Mm -hmm. We are known by what we hate. And, you know, when it talks to being afraid to associate with people, sometimes, I want to say this lightly, I am afraid to associate with certain Christians, Mm -hmm. especially when people are really like malicious, mean-spirited arguments. Mm -hmm. I'm like, That doesn't feel like Jesus to me, like dehumanizing people, yelling at people for the gospel. Like, what are we doing? How we say something sometimes is just as important as what we say. And I I think it makes us all look bad as followers of Jesus when we represent him poorly. And I, I think we need to make sure we're winning people for the gospel. We're showcasing love and we're winning hearts and we're bringing people to Jesus. And so I, I think even with what we share and what we represent online, we need to curate that around our mission, around the gospel. And uh, instead of making Jesus look bad, I, I think like instead of just sharing memes, we need to share the Messiah. Instead of bringing light to certain hoax, we need to share the hope of Jesus. I mean, instead of sharing just articles, we need to share the author and the finisher of our faith. That's what we're called to do as Christians. And I, I think some of us online are even afraid to associate with Jesus. Mm. And we're like, I'll share this article. I'll share this meme. I'll share this passion. I'll share things that are funny, but I'm afraid to share the hope of the world that's in my yeah. heart and in my life. Yeah. I don't want to associate with Jesus. I, I just think, you know what, as the church... We are people that pledge allegiance to Jesus. We are people who say we want to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our love. He is our hope. And the whole world needs to know this. And I think sometimes online, we're more eager to share about this like political view, like we're red or we're blue. But guess what? The kingdom of God doesn't have dual citizens. Heaven does not have dual citizens. As the church, we're not red. We're not blue. We serve the king of kings. We're purple. Amen. Amen. And this is what we do. And honestly, people may not like what we have to share when we lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm challenged by the scripture that says, if you deny me publicly, Jesus says, I will deny you before my father. And so we take a bold stand to say, Jesus, you are our banner. We are a city on a hill. We can't be hidden. We're not going to hide our light under a basket or a bushel. Amen. Amen. And this is what we're called to do as Christian. We cannot forget our mission. And so if we're going to echo anything, let's not echo culture. Let's, let's echo a Jesus who died for his enemies. Let's echo a Jesus who gives us grace 
and grace again. Let's echo Jesus who died for us on the cross and overcame death and resurrected and gave us a blueprint on how we can have life and life abundantly. Let's echo a Jesus who continually walks into every person's world and doesn't just leave people in their darkness and say, I want to associate with you. You're too toxic. I'm done with you. He brings light and he puts on human skin and the incarnation and, and he came into this world as a baby and lived amongst us he entered our world and i think we can do the same by entering people's digital world their online world their painful world their their hopelessness this is what we're called to do jesus didn't come to take sides and win arguments he came to win hearts and that is what we're part of as people who participate in the great commission to win people to witness to make known the beauty of jesus and i love this thought jesus could have canceled us but he canceled our debt instead. Amen. I mean, that's the gospel. Yes. He didn't give up on us when we disagreed with him, when we were different, when we were toxic. He could have canceled us, but he canceled our debt instead. I want to share another quote before we end. You and I must bear the cross of stepping into another person's world. You do not love someone by demanding that they be like you. And you cannot love someone without seeking to understand their point of view. But when you take up the cross that Paul and Jesus testify to, when you step into another shoe, another's world, and learn to speak their language and see the world through their eyes, then you come to understand the person better. What a powerful challenge. And so I want to challenge you to do what Jesus did in this passage. Talk to a stranger. Have a teachable spirit. Echo Jesus. Don't win arguments at the expense of winning someone's heart. I want to challenge you, meet with someone this week on Zoom or a phone call from a different ethnic background, from a different political spectrum. Meet with someone that completely disagrees with a worldview or a stance that you hold near and dear to your heart. Mm. I think we all have the opportunity to love people by understanding them first. Am I saying we compromise the gospel? No, but we don't demonstrate the gospel by saying, I won't understand you. Mm. No, we demonstrate the gospel by loving people, by seeking to understand as much as we seek to be understood. And so at Kayla's Church, we don't want just uniformity. No, we don't want that at all. We want true unity in Christ. So let's be like Jesus, church. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. And I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers of it. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and help us to be more like you. Lord, thank you so much for dying on the cross while we were different than you, while we were enemies with you, while we said all sorts of negative things about you. You entered our world and saved us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us a better way. I pray that you would help us to love strangers and to love one another from different backgrounds just like you do, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.